Hey everybody, what's up? How are you today? I hope you're doing wonderful, splendid, amazing, all the other good things. If you've never been here before, hello, hi, how are you? It's nice to meet you. My name is Kimmy and every week I smoke and tell you a little true crime story. So if that is your vibe, then make sure you subscribe. I love my rhymes and follow me on social media um, at Truly High Crime on Instagram and Twitter. I would love to hang out with you. I love hanging out with you every Monday and my mouth is literally insanely dry. I wish those mints that make your mouth wet sponsored me because I would plug them right now, but they don't sponsor me. I've never used them. So anyway, moving forward, how are you doing today? I am doing a lot better than I was last week when I recorded, if anybody cares. Um, I'm just feeling better about life because this morning, Taylor Swift said that she's putting a new song out tomorrow at midnight, which means for 48 hours, I will be acting a clown thinking that she's about to explicitly come out as bisexual, um, which she's never going to do. Um, anyway, this is for a different time, a different podcast. Just I'll shut up. Um, happy Aries season. If you're an Aries, I love you. All my, all my Aries are friends <laughs> and all my friends are Aries. Um, so happy birthday. Hope you're doing well. Hope everybody is doing well. Even if you're not an Aries, drink your water, eat your fruits, eat your veggies. I will just shut up because today we have one of the most haunting missing children's cases I think that I've ever heard in the entire world. I had to like literally cut myself off of like reading reddit threads and reading theories because there's so many things that could have possibly happened but so many contradictions to everything that um yeah I'm not sleeping for weeks can't wait but why don't you just buckle up and we will get right into it and time travel to February of 2000 when nine-year-old Asia Degree lived with her family in Shelby, North Carolina. She lived with her mom, Aquila, her dad, Harold, and her brother, O'Brien. Um, her brother was only 10 years old and Asia was nine. So they were really close in age and they were also just really, really close. They always had each other's backs. They were like inseparable and it was said in like almost every source that they would have done anything for each other. Um, and they also shared a bedroom. So the degrees lived a good life. Um, Aquila and Harold worked hard. They provided for the family. Um, they were really religious. They were really close knit. Um, and Aquila and Harold were um, pretty strict parents. Aisha was incredibly smart and also very, very shy. She was a daddy's girl um, from birth. She loved her dad. They had a very special bond. Um, she was a star basketball player. She had wonderful grades. She was just like a cute little perfect nine-year-old. Like, you know, you think of a nine-year-old and you're like this adorable little girl. Um, she was terrified of the dark, which same, and she was also afraid of thunderstorms. So on February 13th, 2000, the power had gone out because of thunderstorms. So there's two things, the dark and thunderstorms. Doesn't sound like a very good night for Asia. So O'Brien and Asia couldn't take their baths at night, um, because the power was out, you know, they couldn't run the bath or anything. So they knew they were going to have to wake up a little bit earlier the next morning. So they went to bed at their normal time at around 8.30. Harold had gotten home from work around midnight that night and he checked on both of them, um, cause they're, you know, in the same room. So he checked on them and they were both asleep in their beds at around midnight. Um, at this point, the power had come back on, so Harold just went downstairs, he watched some TV, and then he went to bed. 
There are so many conflicting reports, um, and the reporting honestly isn't very consistent in this case. There are some things that will say that Harold went to the store to get them Valentine's candy after he checked on them at midnight. There are some reports that say that, like, he just fell asleep on the couch. Like, there's really conflicting stuff, um, but pretty much it doesn't change the case. So, um... Once again, he checked on Aisha and O'Brien around 2, 2.30 a.m. before he went to bed. He had seen that they were both asleep in their room, um, but that was the last time that Aisha was ever confirmed to be seen. At around 6.30 the next morning, which was Valentine's Day of 2000, Aquila went to go wake the kids up for their baths and she started running the water and just like, was like, okay, wake up. Um, and so then when she went into their room, O'Brien was there, but Aisha wasn't in her bed. So like any mother would be, um, Aquila starts getting pretty nervous and she's like, okay, well, where is she? She starts looking all around the room. She looks next to O'Brien's bed, thinking that maybe she was afraid of the storm and she went to go lay in his bed or like under his bed or next to his bed. Um, but she wasn't there. Um, and Aquila was like talking to O'Brien asking where Aisha was and he didn't know. Um, so that's when she kind of just kind of starts like panic looking all around the house. Like she's not downstairs. She's not in any closet. She's not hiding in any corner. She checked the cars. She wasn't in any cars. Um, so Iquilla and Harold were really nervous, obviously, like anybody would be. Um, and so Harold was like, maybe she went to her grandma's house who lived right across the street, but she wasn't there. And they were like, maybe she went to her aunt's house who lives nearby, but she wasn't there. And that is when the panic just turned to full on fear. The police had arrived to their house by 6.40 a.m. So that's really only about 10 minutes after they woke up. Um, and they were given pictures of Aisha for reference and they called in a canine unit to try to pick up any scent of her. And they were just searching the area. There was a lot of people working on the search and they were like full on just trying to find this girl. Um, Aquila said that by 7 a.m. every neighbor in the street was awake because she was just walking up and down the road, like yelling Aisha's name, hoping that somebody had seen her, just hoping for the best to happen, but nothing happened. There was a really heavy police presence and all of the local news channels had showed up, but still there was no trace of Aisha. O'Brien said that he remembered hearing Aisha's bed moving in the early hours of the morning, but figured that she probably just was moving in her sleep or had gotten up to go to the bathroom and... Honestly, like that probably happened a lot because they shared a room. Like they probably woke up when they heard the other one get up. They were really close. Like they were siblings. They probably had that little sibling telepathy of like, oh, I can tell that like they're awake or something. I mean, they're not twins. You know what I'm saying though? So really we can't like put any blame obviously or anything on O'Brien because why would he look over when this is something that, you know, he probably hears a lot. But it had turned into a full-scale investigation really, really quick because there was no sign of any foul play in the house. It was a really, really weird scene. And whoever took Aisha also took some other things, if anybody took Aisha. Her book bag was missing, a few of her outfits were missing, her Tweety Bird purse was missing, and some other just like random personal items. Like there was a book that was gone, um, just like a few things that like weren't there anymore. Um, but the doors to the house were still locked and Aisha's house key was in her book bag that she took with her. So she probably was able to lock the door when she left and there was no disturbance or anything. Nobody woke up 
to her leaving. Nobody woke up to doors locking. Nobody woke up to a struggle. There was nothing. So by eight o'clock in the morning that she went missing, there was a statewide bulletin out for her, a search party put together to canvas the entire area. There was helicopters doing infrared searches on the highways, but there was no sign of her anywhere until there were three people who were driving on the highway the night before and they came forward and said that they had seen her walking alone on the highway early that morning. Excuse me, then why didn't you help her? Um, but anyway, let's take a smoke break before we get to that whole story. So, between 3.45 and 4.15 a.m., two people who were driving down Highway 18 saw a young girl who fit Aisha's description just walking down the highway. At 4 o'clock in the morning, and for some reason, didn't stop for a young girl walking alone on a highway. I literally don't understand um, the thought process here. My notes are really funny. You can tell I was enraged because highway is in all caps and there's like four H's, eight I's, and then like the way is just like A, Y, 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 A, Y, A, Y, A, Y, Y, exclamation point, exclamation point, Y. So that's how I was feeling when I took the notes. And that's still how I'm feeling. Don't you get it twisted. Um, so yeah, they didn't, they didn't say, they didn't call the police when they saw her walking down the road or anything like that. Like they just saw a young girl alone walking down the road at four o'clock in the morning during a storm and didn't do anything about it. But there was one person who did see her and actually whipped the car around like any sane human being, like I feel like would do, um, and went to go help her, thankfully. Um, but this person is only halfway good because when he went to go up to her, I shouldn't say he, cause I don't know if it was, when they went to go up to her, she ran off into the woods and like got terrified and then was just not seen. And then this person just went about their night and kept driving, like didn't call the police, didn't do anything, didn't say anything. Like that's worse than just the people who drove by and didn't do anything because you, you see something ain't right here and you're just not going to do anything. How did he, I should stop saying he, how did they go to bed at night? Anyway. There was a massive search for Aisha, but there was nothing found until three days later um, when a woman came forward and found some stuff in her shed that was, like, obviously not hers and looked like it belonged to a little kid. Um, there was a pencil, a marker, um, a Mickey Mouse hair bow um, that Aisha had the same one and hers was missing from home. And then also candy wrappers that happened to be the same kind of candy that she got at a game, like a sports game recently. My notes say sports game because I don't know sports. I think she, yeah, she played basketball. So probably at a basketball game recently. Um, so the police and Aisha's family really believe that Aisha was there at some point, but like, why? Was it just a place that she went to protect herself from the storm? But then why would she do that? Like, why would she leave her house during a storm in the first place? Um, and, like, if she was there, then why did she leave? And where did she go after? But there was no trace of her really anywhere else in that area. And they couldn't pick up a scent once again, so they really don't know. So, at this point, it's mostly believed that Aisha willingly left her house by herself and she was walking alone. Um, because it was her favorite outfits from her closet that were gone. So, her family was like, she would have picked these clothes. I think that she packed her bag, like, willingly. 
Um, and when she was seen walking, she was alone. So, like, nobody else was with her, like, guiding her anywhere or anything like that. And she was walking the route that her school bus went. So, like, she was going away that she was familiar with. Um, like I said, there was no evidence of foul play in the house at all. It was pretty much, like, undisturbed. Like, the only thing that was off was that Aisha's bed wasn't made. And if she left on her own, like, not wanting to wake anybody up, she probably did as little moving as possible, you know? But she was only nine, which is really, really young for a runaway. And, like, why would she run away? She had a really good home life. She had loving parents. Um, and her parents had been investigated already. And they were cleared pretty quickly. And I know that police sometimes, um, you know, kind of fuck up their jobs and don't do it right. So that could be a possibility. But we're going to get more into it. And I really don't think the family had anything to do with it. Um, they did have to deal with some really nasty rumors about how maybe Harold, um, Aisha's dad had killed her or that O'Brien, her brother had something to do with it. Um, but Aquila and the whole family have come forward and say they don't believe any of that. They know that wasn't the case. And they also believe that Aisha left on her own. Like they don't know why, but that's what they think happened. And it was 2000. It's not like she was like being groomed by somebody on the internet. Her family actually didn't even have a computer or didn't give the kids access to the computer because they wanted to protect them. Um, and like, I feel like that was kind of a normal thing for kids in 2000. Um, like now I think it'd be a little excessive, but that's how we've changed in the last 20 years, 21 years. Um, and also, even if she did somehow have access to a computer, I don't think nine-year-olds knew how to get to chat rooms in 2000. Um, so that just doesn't seem right to me. That same month that she went missing, her fourth grade class had read the book, um, it was called The Whipping Boy by Sid Fleischman? 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 I don't know. I don't know. That's his name. But the book is about this, like, prince and then a regular-ass person, like this kid, who gets the punishment every time the prince does something wrong. Like, they can't whip the prince or, like, spank him, so they have to get this other kid to, like, take the spank. It's really fucked up, but the other kid, like, comes in and takes the spanking every time the prince gets in trouble. So the kid and the prince, like, run away, and they live in this beautiful, happy dream world, but at the end of the book they end up going home. So maybe, like, there was a rumor and police thought maybe, like, Aisha was inspired by the book and wanted to go and run off and live in this, like, dream world with a friend or something, but none of her friends ever said, like, that they had planned anything with her um, or, like, had left their house that night. And it just seemed just kind of far-fetched to me. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? So the search was called off on February 23rd after, quote, 9,000 man hours were put into searching um, that two to three mile radius from where she was last seen. Um, they put up a bunch of flyers. They followed a bunch of leads and stuff, but they never went anywhere. It was just like random possible sightings that never led to anything. So the police actually took this case like very seriously and they wanted there to be a lot more media helping out and like trying to figure this out with them. But sadly, Aisha didn't get a lot of coverage. She was a young black girl and she didn't get the same coverage she would have gotten if she were white. And we know that's how it always works. Like they only really got local coverage and they had to kind of beg for it. Um, there was hardly anything national. The case was on America's Most Wanted, but nobody had reached out to Aquila for an interview after that or anything like that. Um, it was on the motel, the blah, 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 motel. It was on the Montel Williams show, um, but nothing really came from that either. Oprah showed her picture, but nothing came from that either. 
Aquila, I think, says it best when she says, the white ladies are on every channel and we were on local channels. The only reason the Montel Williams show knew about anything was because somebody had reached out and went to every show, but only Montel responded. Missing white children get more attention. She says, I don't understand why I don't try to speculate. I know if you ask them, they will say it's not racial. I'm not going to argue because I have common sense, which that sucks so bad. Like that is such a sad statement that like, I, I feel like I don't, I don't have the right to speak on, but it just breaks my heart to hear. And Aquila also said that every time a child is found, like a missing child is brought back to their family or like their bodies are found. The press calls Aquila and asks her to comment on it. Like, that's so fucked up. She says that they want her to be mad or jealous or something, but she's like, I'm not gonna... She said, "I'm quote, I'm not gonna begrudge... Why would I begrudge a mama who's lost her child and then found her? Because I know the hell she's been through. Like, why... Why do they expect her to have something mean to say and why would they bring this trauma up for her every single time that somebody gets what she has hoped for for years and years and years it is not her job to provide emotional labor and then be reminded of her daughter's painful disappearance every single time that somebody gets that phone call that she has been praying for for 21 years Aquila I love you and I'm so sorry that the world had did this to you because you don't deserve it Despite the FBI getting involved in the search and there was a wide-scale investigation, the next tip didn't come for another year and a half. Aisha's book bag was found buried, double-wrapped in trash bags, almost 30 miles from her house and in an opposite direction than she had been walking. So, that's a lot. Inside the book bag, there was a New Kids on the Block concert t-shirt and the book McElliot's Pool by Dr. Seuss, <laughs> which is just funny to hear at this, at, in this day and age, it's funny to hear about Dr. Seuss. Neither of these things belonged to Asia, but they knew that it was her book bag because it had her name embroidered on it and it also had her house key in it. So, whew. Albert's at the door. Here we go. Weekly thing. So they send the book bag in for DNA testing just in hopes for like some kind of answer. Like they just want to get some sort of closure of what happened or just some sort of lead. But before we get there, let's take a quick smoke break. I'm not sure what you guys are smoking, but I love chillaxing and smoking some CBD. And I also love buying new things to smoke my CBD from. The issue is that nice glass is expensive and I am a picky bitch, like I'm sure you are too. But the good news is I am partnering with an online shop called I Sell Glass to get you 20% off your purchase. Get yourself something new. You freaking deserve it. Go to isellglass.shop and use the offer code TRULYHIGHCRIME for 20% off your purchase. That is isellglass.shop and use the offer code TRULYHIGHCRIME at checkout for 20% off of your purchase. Of course, you have to be at least 18 and of legal age to smoke in your area, and these pieces are for legal substances only. So if you're looking for something new or even just a little gift, make sure you go to isellglass.shop and use the offer code TRULYHIGHCRIME for 20% off your entire purchase. So after the bag was found, the police changed their stance and say that they do consider Aisha's disappearance criminal and they do think that foul play was expected. What the hell? Okay, I know you guys care, so Albert, it's finally, finally, 
I just said finally twice and I meant to say he's finally fucking secure in the sink. Um, I don't know why it's always so difficult for him to just lay down. But anyway, um, like I was saying, they do think foul play was, um, for some reason in my notes, I put expected, but that's not the right word. But the case is still open. So police haven't like released the results of the DNA testing on the book bag. Um, or they might not have it yet. I'm guessing they do by now, but like, I'm guessing it took a long time and then they haven't released it. Um, it's something that is part of the investigation. Um, so they do still think that Aisha left on her own accord, but something more sinister probably happened to her after she left. Um, but there was literally no movement in the case at all. There was nothing. They didn't find any solid leads. They got nothing. Like it was literally just cold for a long time, but the case stayed open because of how fucking weird it was. Um, Aisha's family then took it upon themselves to keep Aisha's memory, like, in the case itself alive. They started a scholarship in her name for, um, students at her school, and there's also an annual walk to raise awareness of Aisha's case and raise money for, um, the research and trying to find her. The walk starts at the Degrees house, um, that they still live in, um, and it ends at a billboard for Aisha on the Highway 18, um, where she was last seen. They used to do the walk on Valentine's Day, um, which was when she was last seen, but <laughs> Harold and Iquilla changed it to February 6th or 7th because they didn't want to make Valentine's Day a sad day for everyone else. Like, what people? I love them. <laughs> In 2015, the FBI announced that they would be working um, with the county... Wow. I can't, like, put words together today. I feel like that's an issue I have pretty commonly. Um something maybe I should look into. But anyway, in 2015, the FBI announced that they were going to be working with the county sheriff and with the State Bureau of Investigation to just take another look at the case, re-interview the witnesses, re-interview some people, and just figure some shit out. Because, like, what are they missing? Like, there's got to be something that they haven't found yet. And 15 months later, in May of 2016, they announced that they might have a new lead. They think that Aisha might have been seen getting into a dark green, early 70s Lincoln Continental Mark or a Ford Thunderbird from that same era. Don't know shit about cars, but I'll post pictures of them. Um, and they saw her getting in that car, maybe along Route 18, the night that she was last seen. But nothing came from those leads, at least nothing publicly. The Like I said, the investigation's still open. So a lot of this is, um, you know, not out yet. And in September, and in September of sep, wow, and in September of 2017, the child abduction rapid deployment team um came and they searched the area. They worked with the FBI for a while just to try to find some more information to just try to dig deeper on the case. But still, once again, they didn't find anything. Since September of 2017, 300 interviews have been conducted just to try to find something about Asia, but nothing. At least nothing publicly. I really hope that there's more behind the scenes that we just don't know about. In November of 2020, an inmate sent a letter to a um, local news outlet called The Star, and he said that he knew what happened to Asia. Um, Marcus Mellon is his name. He was convicted of sex crimes against children in 2014, so we fucking hate him. We hate Marcus. And he wrote to the star, quote, about four months ago, I had found out her whereabouts and what had happened to her. She was killed and then took and buried. I do know how and what town she is in. I hope you get this letter and do come see me. It's on the up and up, end quote. 
Um, but at the time that he wrote the letter, actually, the police obviously wanted to go investigate, but they couldn't because there was a COVID outbreak um, at the prison where he was, which, you know, COVID has really impacted prisons in a terrible way. And if you have extra money, you should donate to things that end prisons. Anyway, open your purse. I think that since then they have interviewed him, but nothing about that has come out either, which I think either means that he was just talking bullshit and like nothing he said was true or it was still under investigation. Um, and I kind of think it's probably just still part of the investigation or just like it might have led them like it could not be something he knew, but it could have led them somewhere else. You know what I mean? Um, and they also know that inmates sometimes have like ulterior modems. Wow. Ulterior motives, like wanting a lighter sentence or like better treatment in prison. So they could just be lying about information that they don't have. What if, and hear me out, we don't have a system where people feel a need to lie at the expense of others just to be treated slightly better? Like, why don't we just treat all people like people? I don't know. I know that he's a child rapist, so I don't really feel this way about him, but I do feel this way about most people in prison. But to this day, the police still follow every lead and take this case just as seriously as they did from day one. Like I said, Aisha's family still lives in that same house that they lived in when she went missing, and they keep Aisha alive and with them through pictures of her younger self as well as age-progressed pictures that you can see um, on my social media pages at Truly High Crime, which I think are important because um, a lot of people still think she's alive, and if you recognize her, then you gotta call. You gotta let them know. That's why we do this stuff. I'm not just talking about this for fun. Like, I want to make some movement in these cases. Like, if somebody knows something, then talk about it. The Degree family thinks that Aisha is alive, and they believe that one day they are going to see her again. So, what could have happened to Aisha? People on the internet have their theories, and I have a theory of what I think happened too, but I honestly have no idea. Like, I... I, I literally have no idea because there's a lot of holes in every theory, even the ones that I think are true or could be possibly what happened. So like, I don't fucking know. Let's get into it. A lot of people think that Aisha's dad is suspicious because apparently he changed his story and went to get snacks. Like, I don't know. Like I said at the very beginning of the episode, he, like their stories have changed over 21 years very slightly because it's been 21 years. Like, I feel like everybody kind of remembers things a little bit differently or like, like he could have been asked about it 15 years later and been like, I think that's the night went to go get them candy. I don't remember. Like, People just don't really remember those things. But a lot of people think that he changed his story. And, like, people think that the parents did something and then used that time to cover it up and then reported her missing. But it just doesn't sound right to me. The reporting on this case, like I said, is just inconsistent. And I think it really easily could be a media error. But the biggest piece of evidence that makes people think that something happened inside the house rather than Aisha leaving is that it was dark and stormy and Aisha does not fit the profile of a runaway. So like, one, she's terrified of the dark and she's terrified of storms. That's what it is outside. Why would she willingly go into it without a jacket, without anything? Like she was just out there in plain clothes. So why would she do that? Also, she's nine years old. Like that's not, usually they start calling runaways runaways at like 12 like nine is pretty early to run away um at least I don't know I mean I feel like I don't know I have no idea but I that's what 
that's what the scientists say. That's what the professionals say. Um, and I agree. Like, Aisha's afraid of the dark. She's afraid of storms, but she would just leave on her own in the middle of the night during a storm. Nine-year-old me would never do that. 21-year-old me would never do that. And nobody should ever do that so that I don't have to talk about you on this podcast and hope that people find you. People also think it's odd that nobody who saw Aisha on the road that night called the police when it happened, but they'd only come forward when they saw that a girl who fit that description was missing. I do agree that this is odd and we talked about it. However, I don't put it past people to not call 911. Also, it was 2000. It was like people didn't have cell phones on them. Um, they could have been driving for a long time. And in that time, either one forgot or two talked themselves out of what they saw. Been like, I don't, there's no way I saw what I just saw. It's not that big of a deal. You would think, my heart makes me think, want to think that people would turn around and like, try to figure out and try to help the child like the one person did. Um, but I guess it doesn't really surprise me that they didn't. But then also, if they did see her and then were like, no, there's no way. I just saw what I saw. But then the next day heard that somebody fitting that exact same description is missing. That would just confirm that you actually did see what you thought maybe you didn't. So I... I don't know. Either way, I'm glad they came forward. Um, I wish they would have called the police earlier. But yeah, I just personally, I don't think her family had anything to do with it because they were really close-knit. And even if their stories slightly change over a course of 21 years, like I said, like you remember things differently, you know? But before we get into the more what I think are plausible theories, let's take one last smoke break. Guys, the Oscars are literally next month, so I guess that means we have a lot of movies to get watching, but I tend to fall asleep in movies because my hobby tends to make me a little tired. So if you find yourself in the same situation, the good news is you can catch what you missed on Oscar Bait, a podcast made up of four girls who have a lot to say about movies that could potentially be nominated for the Oscars this year. From One Night in Miami to The Trial of the Chicago 7 to even some bonus Golden Globes content, you do not want to miss it. So subscribe to Oscar Bait wherever you get your podcasts for a new episode every Friday for the rest of Oscar season. Love you girls. To me, the most plausible theory is that she was being groomed by somebody in her life. Maybe a family friend, a teacher, a distant relative, like somebody from the church, a coach, I don't know, an adult that she trusted, which it wasn't as easy to do back then as it is today. Like, people can be groomed on Instagram or, like, just through the internet very easily and then be told, like, hey, come meet me somewhere. It had to have been much more difficult back then, which, like, damn, wish we still lived in that time, kind of. Um, but if this is what happened, they probably told her to meet them somewhere just, like, in the middle of the night. Um, and she was afraid of storms in the dark, but she also could have been more afraid of what that person would have done if she didn't show up. But she also could have been promised something like a vacation or something like that she felt like she was excited to go and she was like, I don't care that it's storming. Like I'm going on this trip, I'm going on this vacation. And maybe she, that's why she packed warm clothes and she was excited and willing to leave during a storm, which would make sense why she didn't pack any winter clothes with her. Um, some people theorize that even though her parents were really caring and loving, they were also a little bit too strict and controlling. 
they like admitted themselves that they did everything that they could to protect their kids from outside influences, which I have my thoughts about strict parents. I think overly strict parents, everybody knows can lead to kids just being, um, terrible, (laughs) not terrible, but to not trusting their parents and to, um, doing things that they wouldn't do if they had permission to do it just for the thrill of it. Um, and also could lead to a lot of tension between the children and the parents because, um, Aisha could have wanted like a more free life. She could have seen the way some of her friends lived and wanted to live that way. And that could have really upset Aisha. Um, so that a lot of people think that that could be what happened. And maybe she opened up to another adult about it. Um, and instead of like being a good person and maybe just giving her a parental kind of like, you got this kind of thing, they really just took advantage of her, which is disgusting. And maybe they, you know, knew she was vulnerable and was like, I could take you on this amazing vacation. You don't have to worry. And then we haven't seen her since. Another theory that I think makes sense is that maybe she was sleepwalking when she left. People think she could have been asleep, um, but thought like maybe she got up and she thought it was time for school. So she just like grabbed her book bag and put random shit in it because she was asleep and then just left, like thinking that it was time for school because she also walked the, um, she walked the route that her school bus would take. So that's mm, starting to make a little bit more sense to me. Um, but then maybe the person who tried to approach her that was like, hey, are you okay? Um, that could have woken her up. And then she was like, what the hell? Where am I? I'm in the middle of nowhere. And I just woke up thinking I was at school. Like, and that scared her and she ran into the woods. Um, so then maybe the only place that she could find shelter was in that shed where later her things were found. Um, and then maybe while she was trying to find her way home, she was met with foul play. People also think that she died of exposure to the cold weather and that her body hasn't been found, but I don't think so because they have searched that area through and through. Like, a lot of different teams have been through searching and they haven't found a single trace of her, so I don't think that's the case. Um, But also, I think her family would know if she was a sleepwalker. Like, I think that would have been one of the first things that they did um, and, like, went to of, like, hey, she's known to sleepwalk. This could have been happening. And not done it like how Scott Filater's family did it and made up that he was a sleepwalker later in life when it was convenient for them. Anyway, I don't think she would have left on her own. I think that somebody probably like had plans to meet with her and then she was met with something that she was not expecting and it's probably terrible, which breaks my heart. But I also had this theory that, I mean, I don't think this is it, but like this was just my speculating ass. I, what if she is like living a normal life with a different family and doesn't even know that she's missing? Kind of like the girl in the milk carton type vibes. Like what if she, cause she would be, I think 30 now. Um, so like, what if she was just raised? Like the the reason I don't think this is true is cause she was like, she had childhood memories. Like she remembered her, like she would know who her family was and like know that she didn't belong to the family that she was with. But if she were just a little bit younger, I think like she could have been put into one of those situations of like, you're our kid. And then just never known that she was even like abducted or missing until she maybe saw like an age progressed picture of herself and was like, hold on, that kind of looks like me. And I don't think that's ever going to happen with this case. You know, a case I do think that might happen with is uh, Madeline McCann, but that's for a different time. I'm probably never going to cover that case because it bothers me and I hate her parents so much. 
um, I'd probably get a lawsuit. Anyway, <laughs> um, anybody with tips or information on what might have happened to Asia or where she is today, please contact the FBI Charlotte office at 704-672-6100. So what do you think happened? I honestly like want to know what theories make the most sense to you guys or like if you have your own theory entirely or like what you think happened because I know there's a lot of holes in every single theory. Like, why did she, why did she leave? Like, where did she go? Who was she going to meet? It had to have been somebody that she really trusted or that her parents don't even suspect because, like, they wouldn't have even thought to suspect her now. And, like, my mind is so, like, programmed to think that we're in 2021 that I'm, like, maybe it was somebody, like, pretending to be a friend but no, like she didn't have a way to contact somebody on the internet, like somebody pretending to be a friend. And like, I'm sure her parents were with her most of the time at school or not at school, but like at church and like when she wasn't at school. So I don't know. Honestly, this is a hot take. People who are strongly religious scare me and I immediately just get a little like, mm, I don't know, iffy of them because I feel like, and this is where I'm going to get hate, religious people are always hiding something. Like, I feel like you're religious. I'm not going to single anybody out. I feel like religious people are religious because they're trying to make up for something terrible that they did a lot of the time. Not all the time. You know, you guys know what I'm trying to say. I'm just repeating myself. So at first I was a little like just nervous of the family. I thought like, okay, I should, we should keep them. Oh, uh, maybe I shouldn't just think they're innocent right away. So I did kind of like question that and speculate that. But I don't think they had anything to do with it willingly. I do think it's a possibility that maybe their um, like parenting style and how strict they were could have triggered something in Asia to meet with somebody else. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily their fault. And I don't think that that means they directly had anything to do with it. Um, I honestly, I could sit here and just ponder this back and forth all day. I'm just staring at the ceiling. Like, what the fuck happened? Like, where did she go and why? Oh my God, it's going to haunt me forever. Please, let's talk about it on social media. Hit me up at Truly High Crime. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me today. I love you and I appreciate it so much. I love hanging out with you guys every Monday. Don't forget to, you know, subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review, follow me on all the social media, do all the things. Um, and I cannot wait to hang out with you guys next week. Bye.